I want us to, to really have our ears open today. We've invited Tamrat and Mulu Amnasu. And um, I heard his testimony a couple of months ago. And I don't know if I had been complaining about anything that day, but I thought, I heard that testimony, and I thought, I don't have any right to complain about anything. But his testimony is a testimony, an encouragement of faith, and that God can reach us in the deepest, deepest place. And um, I just, I won't say too much about his testimony because I want him to share it this morning. Tamrat and Mulu, would you stand up, come on up here with me? And um, They're from Ethiopia but I'm going to let them share their testimony. And um, we've been blessed to meet them, Millie and I, and, and a few of us met them before. And, and God is using them in incredible ways here in America, but also back in their native land, their home country of Ethiopia, ministering to widows and orphans and, and children and, and just being a blessing in the land. But you know what? You didn't start your life that way. I know you didn't start your life that way, and, and, and so I want you to share. So let's just reach out our hands as we pray over them. Father, in the name of Yeshua, Lord, I thank you for this couple. I thank you for who they are, that, Lord, even before time, you saw and you, you had a destiny for them, and through a whole series of circumstances, they came into that destiny, and you're using them powerfully. So, Father, I pray that the words that they speak to us to administer to our hearts. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Blessings. And we will take an, a love offering for their ministry, which is called Life Center, after the service. So, I'll just let them go for it. Amen. Praise be to the Lord. Yeshua is great. In the name of Yeshua, my wife Mulu and me have greetings to you. Peace be with you. I was Prime Minister of Ethiopia from 1991 up to 1996. In 1992, I went to Israel for the first time as a state visit, and I met the then prime minister, later killed, Yitzhak Rabin. And he asked me to go to Jerusalem, and I asked him, uh, why do I have to go to Jerusalem? He said, uh, there are things to see there. And uh, he gave me, you know, escort, and uh, they took me to, me and my group to Jerusalem. And I saw the two places, the two most important places at that time. The empty tomb Hallelujah. and the place where Jesus was crucified and then resurrected. Hallelujah. Well, at that time, it didn't give me much sense. You know why? Because I was an atheist. 
I was a communist. I was an atheist. So I had no God. I had no belief. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know the story of Israel or all those things. So it didn't give me a, a sense whether it was a, uh, an empty tomb or, you know, all those places. But when I see it later on, God was preparing something for me. It was not an accident. That was a preparation for me to meet him. Fast forward, 1996. From the prime minister's place, I was thrown to jail, prison, and I became political prisoner. My own friends conspired against me and put me to jail. And I served for 12 years in solitary confinement. In the first year, I even tried to commit suicide, which I failed. Again, for the reason. I didn't know why I was rescued at that time, but there was the Lord that rescued me. He said, no, you don't take at this time your life because your life is in my hands. And I was survived. And here I am until now. <laughs> On the fifth year in that prison cell, I was alone in a three by four, very small cell, prison cell. And I was not allowed to meet to even other uh, prisoners. Um, and I was not allowed to see anybody else. I was by myself. Something miraculous had happened. But before I tell you that miracle, I would like to read from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, um, 10 and 11. That one is the main one. But let me read from chapter, 10, chapter 12, uh, verse 10. It says, in the name of Jeshua, it says this. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He who accuses them day and night before our God. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so as to shy away from death. So God has given us two weapons to conquer our enemy and be alive with Jesus. The blood of Jesus and our testimony. So wherever we go, we have two arms, these two things. So that we conquer the enemy. So in 1996, I was in prison, in that prison cell, I told you. And for five years, I was looking for something 
after I failed to kill myself, I was looking for something else that may give me hope, which I didn't know what it would be. And I tried a lot of things, including studying different religions. I studied Islam. I studied Hinduism. I studied Buddhism. You know, all sorts of religions. So that they would give me some kind of hope. But I failed. Nothing came to my... And then, at the end of the fifth year, something happened. Before the night, this nurse who was following me in my medication, she gave me a tract, a piece of paper. And in that tract, there were three things written. The first one says, Jesus loves you. And I, it didn't give me sense. In the first place, who is this Jesus? I don't know him. And in second place, how can he love me in that prison cell? The second one says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Again, it didn't give me a sense. The third one that gave me a little bit of sense says, Jesus is the only one who can give you a new life. Well, that was what I was looking for. Something, some hope, some new thing. In that prison cell, dark room, everything was dark, hopeless. I tried to commit suicide, I couldn't. And I do, I do everything in that narrow cell. I sleep on one corner of the, the room, and, uh, and on another corner of the room, two by four, I do everything. I mean everything. Because I was not allowed to get out. So after that tract, and after those words, something entered into my mind and into my heart that stirs my thinking. I started asking, what is this thing? What does it mean? And suddenly, in the middle of the day, after I read that and started thinking, I found myself on the knees, on my knees, on the floor. Involuntarily, I stretched my hands and I said, I don't know your name, who said Jesus in, the, in this paper. And I have no idea how you love me, and I don't know how you give a new life. But if you are real, why don't you show me? That was what I was saying again and again and again. Well, nothing happened. And in disappointment, I went to my bed. In the middle of the night, suddenly I rose up. I was awake, wide awake, nothing but dark room. And suddenly I saw a light, a light came in that room. And within that light was, were these balls of light of different colors, purple, yellow, green, gray, different colors, and balls of those colorful things roaming and waving and moving 
in the room within the light. And I slowly, that was strange for me, and I have never made that kind of thing and slowly rose myself and sat on my bed and shifted myself, hanging my legs like, you know, at the edge of the, the, the bed. And looking around, those balls of colorful things around move and the light is there. It's not the light of electricity or whatever, it's just a light a different kind of light within that dark room. Now I want to remind you what John says, the light and the darkness, the light and the darkness, right? In chapter one. So what happened was this, right in front of me is a wall made of rock. No windows, nothing in that little room. And out of that wall, a spot of light was there, dropped. And that drop of light started to expand, just like a movie screen in front of me. And on that movie screen kind of thing, made of light, there was this figure that looks like a standing person but no details, no details in here. Just a shape of a person standing in the middle of that screen. And it looked like he's made of light. Everything was light, but a shape of a person. And an audible voice started talking. It says, I am Jesus. Believe in me and follow me. If you believe in me and follow me, yes, I am the only one who can give you a new life that you are looking for. The voice is not coming from that direction where the figure stays there, but it seems that the voice comes from all over. It's so gentle but so powerful voice that penetrates the whole of my body. And before I know, I started shivering. My whole body was shaking and, and sweating. And I started also weeping. I was crying, involuntarily crying. And I found on the floor. I only, re, I only knew, realized that later on that I was on the floor. Coming out of the bed, dropped out of, of, from the bed, I was on the floor. And every time after that, every hours after that, I was there, shivering, shaking, sweating. My whole body was like, like a glowing fire and also crying continuously, non-stop. And then when the morning comes, I got up and I didn't believe what happened, but I was sure that I saw something 
and I heard those, that voice. And I wrote on my note what I heard and what I saw. But I didn't say okay. You can imagine a communist, an atheist mind, a hardcore communist who never believed in God before in my whole life. I was all the way an atheist and a communist later on. So I couldn't believe. In fact, I thought that I went, you know, something happened in me. Hallucination or some kind of uh, problem in my mind. That was what I thought. But again, in the middle of the day, I did what I was doing the previous day. On my knees, on the floor, stretching my hands and say, okay, I think I saw and heard something last night. I'm not sure whether that was real or not. So you who say, call yourself as Jesus, whom still I don't know you, if you are real though, I am looking for that life which has something, something new, something hope. Why don't you show me again? That was what I was praying while on my knees. I didn't call that a prayer because I had no experience of prayer before that in my whole life. But that was it. And then sure enough, the next night, he came back. The same thing happened in the middle of the night. And he repeated the same thing. I'm Jesus. Believe in me and follow me. If you believe in me and follow me, I am the only one who can give you the new life that you are looking for. But he also told me two more things. He said, I will get you out of this place. And I will send you to the world. And you testify of me. And then he said, don't be afraid. I am always with you. It's not... I will, it is, I am always with you. You know what that means. It's I am. Then after that, I said, the next morning I said, I think this thing should be real. <laughs> I said, I, I think so. Otherwise, it couldn't be repeated and uh, it couldn't be like this. And the whole day after that, I did the, the thing that I was doing the previous two nights. On my knees for a long period of time, saying the same thing, praying the same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. As if challenging him. In my mind was challenging him. And he's the Lord who wants and likes to be challenged, by the way. In our lives, my wife and I many times challenged him, and he loves it. As if he says, challenge me, I would show you. He always shows up. And the third night, he showed up again. For the last and final time, he did the same thing. And I also said, for the last and final time, I surrender Jesus. And after that, I wrote a little note and gave it to that nurse. And I said to, to her, I asked her to bring me something, some book or something to read, because I want to know more about this Jesus. 
So she brought me my first Bible. And I started reading and studying from there. And when I started reading from there, two things that are very important. I, have, I had a notebook, and in my notebook I said, the first time when I read the, the epistle of uh, Paul, where he said, uh, from now on, I live with Jesus, and it's, if, if it's not, then it's, it's only Christ. I said, uh, I wrote on my note, I said, from now on, I belong to Jesus. And then what happened, as I studied the Bible, from, you know, first, first from the uh, New Testament, from the Gospels, and then later on, starting from the beginning, I started studying and going on, praying and studying. And at one point, I found out about Israel. And I found out, as you know, that who those uh, who bless Israel will be blessed. Right? And those who don't, cursed. I found that. And I was terrified. Terrified because of my past. Before that prison, before that time, my past. My past as a communist, as I told you, and as an atheist, I lived condemning Israel. We as communists were pro-Palestinians and against Israelis. This is not common in Ethiopia, by the way. Because Ethiopians, we are Orthodox Christians and we follow both, you know, books. And from Ethiopia, every year, people flock to Jerusalem to worship God, right? Even my own, our own parents, they believe in God, they believe in Israel, they believe in Jerusalem, they believe in all of those things. And part of the Ethiopian population actually were Jewish. But in my case, because I became a communist, and a communist is against Israel. So I was terrified when I read that. And I was on my knees, I remember, and started confessing and repenting. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for condemning all this time Israel. And I believed that he forgave me. I believed that. And right from then on, I knew what Israel means. What all those things means. In one of the our chat with uh, uh, the Prime Minister, Prime Minister uh, Yitzhak Rabin, uh, he, <laughs> he asked me this. He said to me, Mr. Prime Minister, do you know that you are a Jew? <laughs> and I said, uh, no. <laughs> and mind you, I was a communist at that time. I was an atheist. I said, uh, no. Well, 
of course you know that maybe half of the population of Ethiopia is Jew, you know, descendants of Jew. I said, yeah, I know that, but me, no. He said, yes. <laughs> and I said, how do you say that? How do you know that? He said, because we did our homework. I said, well, but I didn't take that, you know, as I was an atheist, as I told you, as I was a communist. It's only later on, after I met Jesus, after I started studying the Bible, after I started studying our Ethiopians' you know, history related to the Bible and so on. Like the wife of Moses, she's an Ethiopian. And then, of course, uh, uh, the first person among the others who met Jesus in, in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit. You know, those times at Pentecost, an Ethiopian was there, an Ethiopian official. And he believed in Jesus and we got back to Ethiopia and so on and so forth. It's only after that that I started appreciating what Israel and, uh, and all the whole story means. And then Seven years after that, after that happened. But after those three nights, there were three things the first time that I got to enjoy. And those were peace and hope and joy. Those three things came after those three nights. Right the first time, I felt peace, and then hope and joy. I started to be transformed when I studied and praying, the Bible and praying. My whole life started transforming. My whole attitude started changing. But after about a year and a half, Jesus started to challenge me. He challenged me Yeah, yeah, still in prison, still in prison. A year and a half after I met Jesus that way, after Jesus found me that way in prison, he started challenging me on one thing, and that thing was about forgiveness. I was mad by my friends who put me to jail, and they were my best friends, and they betrayed me and I was mad with that. I was always thinking of how to take revenge against them. Even though I was not sure how to get out of that prison, of course I had that promise from the Lord, but I was always thinking of taking revenge. How to kill those people, especially the, the one who was the president who conspired against me. And Whenever I pray, Jesus started in his Holy Spirit talking to me about forgiving that person and forgiving them. And I say, no, how can I forgive? How can I forgive these people? They, you know, I, I start counting what they did to me. They did to me this, they did to my family this, they did to... He always says, forgive. In that small, still voice in here, forgive them. Forgive them. When I opened the Bible, 
sometimes to read and to study, it seems that the whole words in the, in the, in the, in the papers say, forgive, 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 forgive. And then, of course, I couldn't go on. At one point in my prayer, I said, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to forgive, but I don't know how, so you have to help me. And, of course, he helped me. And that night, in the morning, right in the morning after this event, I started praying for those guys whom I wanted to kill. That way, I forgave them. And of course, the Lord forgave me too. And that changed my life all the way. Forgiveness. Forgiveness changes life. Forgiveness changes the whole attitude. Forgiveness changes. And uh, forgiveness also helps us to understand what the love of the Lord is. Because he always does that to us, right? Always, all the time. So I, we, we, by, by forgiveness, we just test the glimpse of the love of God. I tested that. And my wife also had the, the same thing, and she also forgave them. And uh, I believe she also tested that glimpse of the Lord. Next to meeting Jesus himself, which is the, the, the eternal salvation that I found. Forgiveness was the next thing that transformed my life. Okay, one more thing and then I'm done. What happened was this. While I was in prison cell, after I, Jesus found me, and after maybe about a year or so, I called my wife. She was in Kenya, in refugee camp, which is thousands of miles away from Ethiopia. When I was in prison, she had to flee because she was also was threatened by the government. So she had to, be, to, to flee to another country, a neighboring country without two children, small children, alone. And uh, she was in refugee camp. And while she was in refugee camp, I found out, she told me over the phone, that when Jesus was with me, in that prison cell, the same night, he was also with her in refugee camp, thousands of miles away. The same night. Because she was a communist too. She was an atheist too with me. And we got married when we were in the mountain as guerrilla fighters. We were fighting against the government with gun. And she was with me and we were together. We were communists, atheists, no God, nothing. That's why he also reached out to her when he at the same time was reaching out to me. And he changed our lives, both of us together. So the Lord also is a Lord of a family. He is a Lord of a marriage. He doesn't want us to be separated. That's how Jesus did to us. Just what Jesus did to us. And then when I get out of prison, I came to America where 
Mulu, my wife, and our two children were already here in Colorado from Kenya before I was released. Three years before I was released, three years, I think. And then when I was released, I had to join them. I came here. And she waited for me for 12 all years. Always hoping that someday we will get back again. And then, of course, after she met Jesus, she was always praying. And I came back, and I met them. And we started our life, our living, again. Worshipping, praying, and serving the Lord. It's then that this thing came in her heart. She said, after many, many years, after maybe 14 or 13 years, she said, I had to go back to Ethiopia for the first time. And she went back to Ethiopia. And seeing a lot of children with their widows, widows, women, poor women and poor children on the streets of Ethiopian capital, she couldn't pass that away. She said, I have to do something. And the Lord put in her heart that she had to do something with these children and widows. And she started with three children from her own pocket, serve, helping them, orphans. And um, she also had the license got out there in Ethiopia. And we started a ministry with an organization called Life Center. And we started serving Orphans, orphan children, and vulnerable children, and widows, poor widows. We give a loan to the widows, and they start their own business. And we, we support orphan children with families. And for the orphan children sponsorship, we, we start sponsorship from America. Friends, organizations, churches, and so on, cooperate with us. And with that sponsorship, we every month we send them $35 per child per month. And with that, they do their school materials, they do their you know, uh, closings, and, and they feed themselves. And with the widows, $350 for every widow once to start their own business. And they start their own business and they go on. The goal is to let them independent, have their own business and be independent. The goal for the children is to go to school and be uh, beautiful citizens of Ethiopia, being leaders. But the goal of all of this is to show the orphans and the children, the orphans and the widows, to show them the love of Jesus. And Jesus is the center of what we are doing. Otherwise, it's nothing. Without Jesus, it's nothing. So many widows and many orphans, through their time with us, in our centers in Ethiopia. They know Jesus. They follow Jesus. 
because of the love that they get from our people. And some of the children who were raised with us, now they graduated from college and universities, a few of them. Some of the widows, they are by themselves. They started living on their own, independent, having their own business. That's what we are looking for. We have about 200, maybe more, 200 plus or minus of children and uh, about 90 of uh, widows that we are serving at this time. We have two centers. All of that information, well, part of that information we'll have, we have uh, brochures there when you get out on, on, you know, on the table uh, um, displayed. We have brochures, we have also um, children that are waiting, are waiting for sponsorship. So if any one of you want to sponsor children, you can get their photos and, and their sponsorship material there. Also, for your information, some brochures. And uh, there is also a paper there we put um, so that anyone who wants a monthly newsletter from our ministry just go ahead and do your email and your phone number there, and then uh, we'll send you um, newsletters about Life Center. It's a full circle. We started as communists. Even though we were communists, our heart was for Ethiopian poor people. But we missed the way. We missed the path. The path should be Jesus. The path became communism, and we failed. And by the way, we spent 15 years in the mountains of Ethiopia as guerrilla fighters. 15 years. And we started from about 17 of us friends in the mountain. At the end of the 15th year, we built an army of more than 150,000. But communism, that's why we failed. And then on the way, the Lord took us to all those afflictions. So let, them, let us know him. And then brought back to where our heart lies. Widows, children, poor people. Now with Jesus, not with communism. <laughs> That's what happened. That's why we don't have anything to um, complain or any question, any Anything against the Lord. I mean, after he did all these things. Of course, sometimes we complain. Especially me. I complain a lot. <laughs> I say, why? Why, Lord, why? And sometimes he responds. Most of the times he doesn't. As if saying, just follow me. Just follow him. Faithfulness. 
This is the Lord that we worship. This is the Yeshua that we believe and we follow. There is no other way for our nation, Ethiopia, other than Jesus. There is no other way for Israel other than Jesus. There is no other way for America other than Jesus. Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, America is not about a democratic or a republican or this or that. It's only about Jesus. And Ethiopia too. This time, Ethiopia is in problem, in political problem. Government this, that, parties do that, say this and that. But what we believe is the Lord will come, intervene, and do in his own way. And his own way is the best way. It's not government's way, it's not the party's way, it's not our way, it's his way. His way is the best for Ethiopia, for Israel, for now. One time, when I was in Israel, the time that I told you, in 1992, when I met uh, Yitzhak Rabin, I also met Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu. He came to the hotel that I was staying, King David Hotel, and uh, just to introduce to me, and um, he extended his, his you know, hand and arm, and uh, you know, he greeted me. And he said, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the next prime minister. He was not a prime minister at that time. He was only a, a parliament member, member of parliament. And then after a few years, he became prime minister. And when he said to me that, because I was a communist, okay, again, remember that. He said, Benjamin Netanyahu, the next prime minister, I was saying by myself, I was saying inside of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he had that promise. I love Israel, and uh, sometimes I go to their annual conference, you know, uh, here in America, and uh, uh, people invite me, and I have a lot of friends. And uh, when I became prime minister, there was um, about 15,000 Ethiopians who were ready to go to Israel, 15. In my, before that, there were a lot of them. But when I, right, I became prime minister, 15,000 were locked in so that they didn't have a way to get out. They were locked in. And that thing came to my desk for decision. And I signed. And they were out to Israel. Now there are more than 50,000 Ethiopian Jews in Israel. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, thank you very much for our friends. My brother is asking me to share you some story. I, I try because of time shortage, because we have to go. I try to share it very soon. Um, 
Yeah, that's life center. Or um, there was this boy who be, who is a believer, who was a believer in Jesus, and he came from a faraway village. And one time he was praying in his house, and while he was praying, the Lord told him to come and see me while I was in prison. He told him in clear voice. He told him my name. And he never knew me before that. He had no idea even I was prime minister at some time. He's just a, he's just a farmer boy. A shepherd. And he was 18 at the time. And he heard that message. And the Lord told him the message. And he never knew the place that I was in. I mean the prison. The place where the prison. He, he, he didn't know that. So he asked the Lord when he told him, he asked the Lord, I don't know that place, Lord. How can I go? And he told him, my spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit leads. And that boy, he took a bus, a cross-country bus, and he started coming to Addis. Addis is the capital of Ethiopia where the prison is there. And the prison is right by the side of the main street from where he came from his place towards the downtown. So he was always asking you know, people by, by the side, where is Addis? And they, they, they tell him every time they tell him, no, it's not, not yet. Okay, we will tell you. And then when the bus gets right in front of the, the prison, the main street was there. The Holy Spirit told him, now get off. And he got off of the bus. And when he sees there were policemen, you know, police officers around and so on, and he asked somebody, is this uh, the prison, the central prison? And he told him, that guy told him, yes, it's a central prison. He said, uh, I came here to see somebody, to visit somebody. And he went to the, one of the windows, you know, where you ask to get in. And he met a police officer and he asked him, um, I came to visit somebody here. And he called my name. And the police officer showed him a line of people waiting for their turn to get in. So he went on. He went and joined that line at the end of the line. And right in front of him, there was this lady and she was seeing what is happening with him. And she asked him, she turned to him and she asked him, um, where are you from? And he told, her, he told her he's from that and that place. And he never knew this place. He never came to this place and all that. And he told her that he came to visit the person called Tamrat. Tamrat? Yes, Tamrat. He was uh, some kind of an official, public official. Now he's in... I don't know him, and so on. And guess who that lady was? She was a sister, my sister. She was on the line to visit me. And she told him, I am his sister. So I will show you. So he had no idea where to go, how to go, and so on. So that sister of mine led him and brought him to me. And 
he found me, he greeted me, and he said, uh, shalom, and things like that. And then he said, you never know me, you don't know me. And I don't know you, he said that. Yes, I, but I don't know you, and you don't know me, never. So he said, I was praying, and so on. He told me the story, and he said, I have a message from, from the Lord. He said, uh, uh, two weeks from now, he came on Saturday. Two weeks from now, on Friday morning, you will get out of this place. The Lord told me that. And the, and the police officers were there listening to him. And they, you know, they were, is he a kind of mad boy or something? <laughs> and they laugh. Okay? They laugh. What is he, what is he talking about? <laughs> because nobody, including even myself, was thinking of, I mean, getting out of that place, even me, even though I had the promise, I had no idea when. I was just waiting. And the others, including the police officers, never, never thought that I would be out of that prison. And the president who put me to jail, he was always coming over TV and radio stations and so on of the national, and he was always saying, over my dead body, Tamrat will never get out of that prison cell. And then this 18-year-old guy, boy, farmer boy came and he said, two weeks from now, you are out. Jesus told me that. And he said, this will happen. This will definitely happen. And nobody under heaven cannot, he said, cannot keep you from getting out of this place. And the police officers were there, laughing and laughing. And he gave me a sign. He said, when you get out, you don't have to have a car for you to take you to whatever, home. So there is, he said, there is a, a white truck car of the chief of the prison, who is belongs, belongs to the chief of the prison. He will give you that car so that your things will be loaded in that car and you will go. I mean, never in that prison, and, and I don't think also in other, even here in prison cells, never a prisoner get into a car of the chief of the police and get, no. He said that this is a sign, he said. So two weeks from then, the police chief, he took me, he, he called me to his office and he gave me a release paper. I had that release paper and then that was Thursday. On Friday morning, I was ready to get out. And I had you know, clothes and so on and I got out. And he said to me when he gave me a release paper, I forgot that uh, sign of the car, the truck, and I asked him, can I call to my sister so that she would bring me a car and she you know, give me a ride? And he said, no, no need of that. I have my car. Wow. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, 
when you are worshiping here, it's, it's a beautiful worship. It was obvious that the Holy Spirit was here, hovering. And without the Holy Spirit, we don't have life. And without the Holy Spirit, we can't see Jesus. It's only with the Holy Spirit that we can see Yeshua. He also said that, right? So let's glorify the Holy Spirit even more. Let's glorify Jesus and let's glorify the Father. Thank you and have a blessed time.